is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the smoldering ruins that used to be Edmonds, Washington. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And celebrating National Coffee Appreciation Day in Hood River, Oregon, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Dude, yours is way better than mine. I love coffee, but uh, you know it's too bad that the world ended. I think it was it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not. I I thought maybe. Uh, Edmonds really burned down. No, no, no. The Shemitah, of course. The asteroid. Yeah, the no, asteroid hit Edmonds. Was a Planet X, uh, and the blood, the blood moon. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the Pope and the uh, President of China, both in the United States at the same time. Uh, also, some Feast of uh, Trumpets, uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, you, I mean, you, you don't know. We, well, we've been uh, we've been covering these things for months, Tim. That's what our whole show's about. What do you mean? Trying to, uh, you know, predict the rapture and uh, <laughs> apocalyptic <laughs> environmental events. It's, it's what we do. Got a book for sale, people. <laughs> should we do anything else or should we just move on? I think uh, it's been covered. <laughs> Actually, no. Well, let's uh, yeah do your story. Should, we read, yeah, should yeah. we read Doctor Future's take on it? Yeah, please. And uh, it'll be like he's here. Yeah, you could tell he's still recovering from surgery because it's only <laughs> like a couple thousand words. <laughs> so. All right, so Blood Moon Apocalypse Survival Stories Sot. The demise of humanity with the last Jewish feast slash blood moon coincidence has been trumpeted, excuse the pun, loudly and across the vast swath of Christian media and parachurch organizations. Not only the World Net Daily, Skywatch TVs, and similar outlets, but even Anne Graham Lotz's, that's Billy Graham's daughter's, warning of an emergency for Jerusalem not only was... um, concern for our dear friend of Christians, the atheist Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, <laughs> well, no mention of his Jewish sorcerer friend, Rabbi Kaduri, but also the fourth blood mood on September 28th, considered by rabbis to be an omen for Israel that will also be a supermoon seen over Jerusalem. Isn't well, if the rabbis consider it an omen, it must be true. Isn't the moon seen over the wor- whole world that, that all, all the time? Oh, uh, but it's a supermoon over Jerusalem, Tim. But wouldn't it? I mean, I saw pictures of a supermoon over Seattle. Wouldn't that just be a supermoon? Uh, I, it wasn't really a supermoon here. Oh, okay. okay. I, I've only seen a supermoon uh, one time when I was driving through Texas. We saw. We saw. Unbelievable. Bl- we had a blood moon over Seattle, at least. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, lots of stuff happening all at once. It means something big's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. 
Science. All right. Back to Dr. Future's take on it. Um, the end of the Jewish Shemitah year on September 13th and the beginning of the Jubilee year on September 28th, both very significant in biblical prophecy. Uh, the Bible verses that confirm this significance in Bible prophecy were not listed. Uh, folks, even in my own local church, were hailing this as the beginning of the end and appealing to people to come hear a rabbi talk about the Jewish magical wisdom that could better inform Holy Spirit-filled Christians on what is really going on. Having Christ-denying Jewish rabbis inform Christians on the deeper things of God is particularly chic these days and is fueled by the current Bible prophecy racket that misuses legitimate Bible prophecy to serve the interests of the of Cold War, tribalistic, Zionist, political demagogues under a veneer of prophetic wisdom, which is lapped up by the uninformed or usually xenophobic, mostly older Christian masses. These rabbis dish, um, dish out mystical stuff that is as much Talmud and Jewish magical legends as much as it is scripture, which is perfectly normal in an orthodox religious heritage. However... Not long ago, Christians knew better than to seek deep, deeper, uh, murky spiritual prophetic insight from those who could not even acknowledge who was the Messiah their prophet spoke of, or whose messianic uh, rabbinic variants who feel that there is a religious superiority. That's a long sentence. An elitism to going back and resubmitting to the yoke of Mosaic law, prompting even our Apostle Peter to say, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke on the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear and uh, by the way read the whole book of Galatians on that one um, I have found the world net dailies and other outlets pushing this latest chicken little skies falling medicine show to huckster books and DVDs to be not surprisingly quiet on the subject today I guess like other prophetic deadlines I hailed that came and went Although Skywatch is still pushing John Hagee's warning from yesterday that it is the end of the world. And that was actually a Facebook trend, was John Hagee's, <laughs> uh, his whole warning deal that was being promoted by Facebook. You gotta check this out so you can laugh at the stupid Christians. That's what, I guess, what the idea was. So for the lack of reporting this subject from our parachurch or, Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I mean, other than the fact that you're in the middle of a story, I can't find a better segue than this. I don't usually read emails from people on the air, but this one hit me right, right, right. Right between the eyes. Right between the eyes is the term I was looking for. Thank you. Please keep on doing the show. We need your Christian perspective on the news and your ability to filter out the news and its BS. There are so many Christians on Facebook sharing fear porn, fake news from Jade Helm to Blood Moons, and you guys stand apart by dispelling the fear. That one email, those three sentences, motivated me to do the show for a, quite a long time. I think that's that's awesome. It's, yeah. it's nice that that's come through to someone. So, uh, mission accomplished, Andrew. That's right. All right. And uh, apparently, Dr. Future's got a bit of a bone to pick with the... Uh, um, the Blood Mooners. So, uh, let's see. If only someone would have debunked this like two years ago. Oh, like Chris White? Oh. oh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, should I, uh, 
you want me to keep going it's or should people have to it's up to you it, i kind of feel like reading the whole thing because it's like the shortest thing dr future's ever written <laughs> you know i mean if we're not going to read this there's a, there's only four paragraphs left so. there's a precedent to be set here go for it yeah all right i'll remember these blood moons the next time these christian groups uh <laughs> um let's see here try to sign me up for one of these propaganda potemkin village Israel tours designed to make money for the ministries and promote secular Israel's political agenda within wealthy America through their returning uh, gullible Christian citizens. The next time they ask me to go, I want to ask them if, if they will be doing something useful there, like preaching the gospel of Jesus at the Wailing Wall, like our dear apostles did in, in Acts. If they don't, and they won't, then they can count me out. Um <laughs> Do you think everyone gets the Potemkin Village reference? I personally don't get the Potemkin Village reference. Okay, Potemkin Village was a village that the Soviet Union set up to show the wonders of their ah. of uh, communism. Hmm. And so, if you, they would bring in journalists and say, "Look, here's a typical village. Everyone's happy, wonderful," and it was all fake. Uh huh. So it's um, it's like a movie set. Yeah. Gotcha. So now it doesn't actually mean that specific village is just any of that type of thing. So, and I hope I was right on that. Okay, moving on. Um, if the world comes totally unglued in the next month or two, I guess I'll have to eat my hat. But it still may not be because of some regularly scheduled astronomical event. The stock market usually has a big correction every few years in October. I would not be surprised to see Israel unilaterally attack Iran and try to hide behind the U.S. to start some alliance-fueled World War III, just like how the First World War was started. When people of various cultures around the world start talking to each other and making peaceful amends, it makes Israel very nervous. Any one of you could follow your favorite bearded Yamal and prayer shawl sporting rabbi out there for deeper knowledge, but I'll think I'll stick with my rabbi Jesus, who had a word for the other rabbis as to their ability to discern prophetic events in the sky. The Pharisees Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting uh, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and he said unto them, When it is evening, he say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and and luring. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? Matthew 16, 1-3. So there you go. And uh, Dr. Future, despite going under the knife recently, which apparently he's back up and running because he's writing again, um, but he's he's been a pretty dedicated blogger. He's not like a one blog post and that's it for a year. Ah, good. good. He's, he's, he's been putting out the material on the regular. Well, give, so give check out it that, out. Give out that uh, website. Two spies report. Dot wordpress.com, but just look up two spies report. That should, and put two T W O T W O. Yes. Two spies report reference to the two spies that, um, said, yes, we can go in from the old Testament Potemkin village. The phrase Potemkin village was originally used to describe a fake portable village only built only to impress. According to the story, Grigory Potemkin erected the fake portable settlement along the banks of the Napier River in an 
order to fool Empress Catherine II during her journey to Crimea in 1787. The the phrase is now tip well, but at least you got the Russian and pretty much, you know, a lot of it good. Just wasn't uh, communism. The phrase is now used typically in politics and economics to describe any construction, literal or figurative, built solely to deceive others into thinking the same situation, that some situation is better than it really is. Some modern historians claim the original story is exaggerated. There we go. All right. <clears throat> I have heard it used in a uh, kind of Cold War context, but anyway. But yes, there's the original Potemkin village. All right. Uh, anywhere you want to go next? Well, I just Any remember particular? that last week I was dying to do a show. And I think the main reason was because of uh, the, the all the Blood Moon stories and everything. I mean, it was, it was, at, yeah. it was at a fever pitch. I mean, it was... I, I even <laughs> I I used uh, I did something rare I used Revelations Radio News. By the way, you pointed something out the other day. You said uh, we should tweet out uh, when we do a show. We tweet out when we do a show. We tweet out when we add a story to our secret folder. We tweet out everything. So uh, we you know no need to worry about that. Now we, all I did was add no show to the tweets. But um, on there, I also tweeted something out uh, last week that said. Uh, President of China is in the country at the same time as the Pope's in the country. Must be the end of the world. Hashtag blood moons. So, because I know those were some big, big uh, things in the blood moon theory. Yeah. So. I like uh, Derek Gilbert's reference there. What's up? He said the Cubs made, he's not worried about that stuff, but the Cubs made the playoffs. So he's wondering what's about to go down. Hey, as long as the Cubs don't win the World Series, I think the world is. Safe. Yeah, he's a big uh, he's a big Cubs fan. So well, yeah, and he should be. Uh, nothing wrong with the Cubs. Okay, I want to go to one. Except they're historically bad at baseball, but absolutely, <laughs> nothing wrong with the Cubs except their play, especially come October. Uh, Twitter lampoons David Cameron over the pig gate. Uh, that's the re- the real reason you wanted to do a show last week. That is not the real reason I wanted to do a show, but it at least has to be mentioned. Um, and I we think we, this is one of those stories that, although it's in our circles like crazy, not for the average person. I can almost bet if I stood up and, and went out and asked my wife if she knew about it. Probably not. So uh, I guess well, I will bear the. Uh, you, your wife would probably know who David Cameron is, but the average public, no clue. <laughs> That's a valid point. Valid point. Valid point. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Piggate was trending on social media Monday after the Daily Mail published a bizarre claim that British Prime Minister David Cameron put a private part of his anatomy into a dead pig's mouth during a student initiation ceremony at the University of Oxford. The allegation made by an unnamed distinguished Oxford contemporary of Cameron's features an it's, extract it's, from the book Call Me Dave. The it's not even unnamed. The guy like, calls it out, yeah. doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. A billionaire former conservative party treasurer and political journalist, Isabel Oakshot. The first installment was published on the Mail's front page Monday under the headline, Revenge. Lord Ashcroft is reported to have written the book, which also claims that Cameron smoked marijuana while at Oxford after the Prime Minister failed to give him senior government position, according to the Mail. 
Downing Street, Cameron's office, said the Prime Minister would not dignify the claims with a response. However, many on social media have had plenty to say. Uh, I do. Do I need to explain why this is in here? Well, the it's secret society. This is like their version of Skull and Bones and yep. some. Um, I mean, this is what they do. They're this a bunch of they sickos. This man. is what they do. They're friends with uh, what's the guy's name? Help, give me, give me Jimmy Savile. They're friends right. with Jimmy Savile. Uh, the Bush family is reported to have, like, you know, to drink wine out of Geronimo's uh, head, his skull, which they stole right, from they, a museum. They stole Geronimo's in, in skull o- in Oklahoma. Stole skull and bones. Take took it. Um, I mean, it just it just goes on and on and on. This is what they do. The internet has shed light on these things, and this is just how they roll. That mm-hmm. act sounds like the. I mean, that sounds uncannily notice, like he, he doesn't deny it. No, I'm not going to dignify it with the response. Just just admit you did it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just don't admit you did anything. It sounds uncannily like uh, the. The John, the thing that remember John Kerry, the thing that came out about him that you had to lay in the coffin at Skull and Bones and like regurgitate well, all your secrets, yeah. all yeah, your sexual well, secrets. You had to you know go ahead and tell about them or whatever. And you know there was like a filming of this, of, not of, of John Kerry, but there's just been. Uh, a he lot was of part of it. Uh, yeah, George Bush was part of it. They were called brother. You know, they Skull and Bones. They call each other brothers under the skin. Which yeah. to me sounds like you know we're all possessed by different brothers under the skin. Um, that's just a just a just my own throwing that out there, but uh, it's just. Uh, but these are the these are the people running things because, uh, and that's probably not one percent of the blackmailable stuff the guy's done. Exactly. Exactly, and that's who runs things. And it's all—they're—they're—they they're, do stuff like putting your member into a dead pig's mouth. As disgusting as it is to say something like that, but they do that to conjure up spiritual forces to deaden their their uh, to really kind of blur the lines between real morals and and non and. Well, it, uh, it, it's training and keeping secrets. That's yeah. what they're. You know, they're all sworn to secrecy, and um, if you, it's the same thing with the, you know, the Masonic stuff where they do weird rituals and stuff. It's, it's training people to keep secrets. That's a big part of what, (laughs) you know, the government relies on, and power structures rely on. So, sure, sure. So there you go, Piggate, and uh, there's they've. They've made a song about Piggate over there in the UK. I mean, they're kind of going crazy with it. So let's Twitter account. Twitter account about Piggate for the pig. Yeah, the yeah from the pig's point of from view. The pig's point of view. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just it's. Uh, it's David Cameron, stop calling me. Uh, it was a one-time thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's it's. I mean, it's. We laugh because it's the only thing we can do. I mean, it's extremely uncomfortable to even talk about or th- even th- to even think about, um, much less talk about. And that's why we laugh to, to make it more palatable. Um, you know, there's no way in a million years you and I are ever like having a conversation. It's like, oh yeah, let's do this. Like it's just yeah, it's hanging just out with some <laughs> some dudes in college and <laughs> just, hey man, there's a pig. 
No, this is not <laughs> not normal activity. I think, I, think so. I jumped off a balcony that I should have at one point. It was, you know, 10 feet up. I got in trouble for it when I was living in the I, barracks. I think that's a little more I tried normal. to jump over a road close sign. <laughs> did you, did you wipe it, out? It, well, I thought it came together at the top of the sign, and really it was about six inches apart. Mm-hmm. So my oh. foot went right in between. Swung my face down on the cement, and I opened my eyes and saw two teeth laying on the the pavement oh there. Oh so. my gosh! Yeah, and, and then my, my roommate's laughing uproariously. So. <laughs> wow! I didn't know we were going to go all out with the embarrassing stories. I uh, I jumped out of a balcony on a barracks. And like landed in these bushes and kind of rolled. Everything seemed to be okay except this other guy, because it's a military base. So there's some dude who like takes everything way too seriously. What are you doing? He like runs over and like tries to like arrest me. So I just (laughs) take off running (laughs) and ran away from him. And I later was charged with like uh, reckless behavior and avoiding a senior officer. But I mean, we weren't even in. military clothes or it was just so it was just the weirdest thing so anyway yeah. there, there's our embarrassing stories a little bit short of uh david cameron's uh, most embarrassing yeah. story to come to light just just a little bit a little bit short so different um i can do one quick a couple quick ones uh why the battle over digital ads is escalating and this is kind well, of interesting oh so go okay no go no i'd like go to ahead I, I i had a I had a segue from David Cameron to the new. Do it. Um, Do it. He is the new prime minister of Australia, and this was uh, sent to us by one of our Australian. Maybe listeners. even the one who I just cited through his last email. But go ahead. Nope. Nope. Different one. Because this is this is from. Not he. Don't be genderist. Oh, and we have. We have both men and women that listen to the show. That's true. So, um, meet Malcolm Turnbull. Oh yeah, this was great. I've looked at both versions, but I could pull it. Let me see if the original email mm. link. I don't think that'll work though. Will it? No. No. Never mind. I won't do it. Okay. I can do it. Uh, we'll just. Skip straight to the punchline. Uh, Road Scholar, which if you are into conspiracy theory studies, that's always a big red flag. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not, I mean, it's a very prestigious scholarship, but it is specifically for, like, Western imperialists, basically. Um, I mean, that's who Rhodes was. Uh, Bill Clinton, Rhodes Scholar. He didn't complete his studies, um, but he was somehow awarded the Rhodes Scholarship. And um, so Rhodes Scholar and very high up in guess what financial firm, Tim? I know the punchline. So <laughs> I don't know if I can answer. Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs, leader of a country, used to work at Goldman Sachs. What? That's Just, weird. Yeah. That's unprecedented. Has that ever happened before? <laughs> uh, only sometimes. Sometimes J.P. Morgan, but lots of Goldman Sachs. They're they're more politically active. So. I found it, and... Ah, 
I got it. How did you find it? I don't know. I think it, it must have changed itself. Okay. Well, I mean, now we've already ruined the punchline. Yeah, but go ahead and read it. It's Meet for- Malcolm Turnbull. Malcolm Turnbull is a liberal member of the House of Representatives and the Prime Minister of Australia. He served as, served as the Communications Minister from September 2013 to 2015. The Communications Minister. When, when Australia was doing, uh, you know, their web censorship right which would yeah which have just like kicked into overdrive he's the leader of the opposition from 16 september 2008 to 1st of december 2009 prior to that the shadow treasurer (laughs) that's that's a literal position a a cool name in a (laughs) parliamentary government the shadow whatever is like in the opposition party so they don't have the position but they're they keep kind of like it well, yeah. Elected to federal parliament as a member of Wentworth in 2004, Malcolm was appointed to parliamentary secretary to the prime minister with responsibility for national water policy, and in 2007 appointed to cabinet as a minister for environment and water resources. Malcolm graduated from Sydney University with a degree in arts and law, Rhodes Scholar, complemented by a further law degree at Oxford. What? wonder <laughs> if he knew David Cameron at all. Malcolm worked as a journalist both in Australia and the United Kingdom before he began his legal practice in 1980. He was successfully he successfully defended the former MI5 agent Peter Wright in his efforts to publish his memoir Spycatcher. In 1987, Malcolm established his own investment banking firm and during that time co-founded a number of Australian companies including OZ Email Limited and Australia's first large internet service provider. He joined Goldman Sachs in 1997 and as chairman of its Australian business, becoming the partner of the global firm in 1998. Malcolm is married to Lucy and they have two adult children. Hmm. We ruined the punchline of our own article. Yeah, good job finding that. Why don't you tell people how you found it? Uh... I went to, um, I will put the link in the show notes, malcolmturnbull.com.au slash meet-malcolm. And that link will be in the show notes, of course. Let me go ahead and put it in the secret folder. And there we go. Um, hmm. He has a dog blog. <laughs> he has a dog blog. Ugh as bad as Warren Buffett and his ice cream. It is. Oh, look, he's eating ice cream. No, Alright, enough of that. Let's move on. Uh, why the battle over digital ads is escalating? Yeah, sounds good. For I, year... What's up? Oh, I was just going to say I cut you off, so go for it. Yeah. For years, ad-blocking software creators have been fighting against the digital publishing and advertising community. And now that Apple has announced it will include ad-blocking options in its new operating system, the debate is intensifying. With some well-known publishers like the Washington Post taking a stand, Apple's signal that it might be loosening its stance became clear on September 8 when it allowed ad-blocking software application AdBlock Plus browser into its app store. It then strengthened its position the next day when it announced iOS 9 would not would also include the programs to limit intrusive and unwanted advertising. Ad blockers are a necessary tool for users because the ads landscape is broken, said Ben Williams, Ad Block Plus Communications and Operation Director. Ad blockers are a symptom 
of that broken scene, and they are the user's only defense against ads that track them and danger their security with threats like malvertising and also just annoy them. According to an Adobe and PageFair report, about 198 million people around the world use ad blocking software, with the number growing 41% over the last year. In the U.S. alone, 45 million people use ad blockers, which is a staggering number to me, how low it is. <laughs> yeah. Ad blockers are primarily uh, programs that block ad- digital advertising, which can be as simple as banners, blah, blah, blah. Williams said part of the reason why users feel compelled to use ad blockers is because digital advertising can cause horrific user experience. Pop-ups and glitches prevent people from getting to the articles they want with the media outlets deluging their readers with tons of ads. He believes that with more people using ad blockers, it will force the advertisers and publishing industry to work together to overcome these problems. Our mission is not to destroy ads, it's to encourage better ads. He said that's why we develop software standards for better ads. Our users... Uh, and give companies who uphold them the chance to let their non-intrusive ads through. This is our vision, a compromise whereby we encourage better ads and eliminate the bad ones. But with people using more ad blockers, it means less revenue for publishers trying to sell digital ad space. Considering the most editorial content online is free, ad blocking opponents say that it's cutting funds needed to create quality content. Adobe and PageFair estimate the software will end up costing publishers about $22 billion a year. This publish, the publisher loses control of the context in which the content is delivered, and they lose control of the ability to monetize it and package it without other things, with other things on the site, said SourcePoint CEO Ben Barocas. Adblock Plus, many of the other upcoming apps that are going to be in the App Store, what they fail to realize is that they will, and what they fail to put forward is that without advertising revenue, these publications will die. What do you have to say to that? Well, and then uh, the ad blockers' business model is to allow advertise some advertising to go through and charge those companies money. That's interesting. I don't think they're going to charge them money. I think they have to be within a cer- certain set of parameters. No, that's what AdBlock Plus does. They charge fees to the top ten percent that they allow through. <laughs> how did how did you come up with that? I thought it was the same article you had, but the CNBC article. Really? Well, that's Adblock Plus. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things out there. There, there are other ways yeah. to go. Um, but this one, interesting I thought- that Adblock Plus was the uh, plugged one in the story. Hmm. My translation of that from the Apple point of view is, uh, they want to be the gatekeepers for the advertising. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't get this. I mean, here, let's just read this story, which I also thought was funny. Google is absolutely dominant. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So how Apple could put your favorite website out of business. This is another uh, story. For media companies and other businesses that rely on web web advertising for income, ad blocking has been a large, has been a scourge that threatens their livelihood. Thankfully for them, though, ad blockers such as Google Chrome's popular extension AdBlock Plus were limited to only desktop computers. Until now, with the release of the latest iteration of its iOS operating system, Apple is now allowing ad blocking software in the App Store. While many publishers certainly hoped that the apps would see limited adoption on mobile devices, most tech pundits suggested they would see millions of downloads. Many publishers hoped that the apps would see limited adoption. Um, and hitting Google, uh, let's see, let's see. Most 
pundits suggested that they would see millions of downloads, fundamentally shifting the mobile advertising landscape and hitting Google, a leader in online advertising, as well as Apple's rival in the mobile world. Looks like the pundits were right. So for like, I don't know if you know what happened. You probably don't. Uh, on the App Store, the moment iOS 9 came out and was able, you were able to update to it, within literally almost instantaneously, the top three income earners in the App Store were all three ad blockers that were charging. <laughs> for, I mean, immediately. Yeah. Uh, Marco Arment, actually, someone who makes the secret folder that we happen to use. Everybody could probably figure it out from that. Um, he actually came out with his own one that he called Peace, but decided after selling, I think he sold 30-something thousand in less than three days. Uh, that's at three or four bucks a piece. Um, 30% of that, of course, goes to Apple. So he was able to pocket the rest. He actually had a change of heart and uh, pulled the uh, the application uh, mm. and refunded everybody all their money uh, because he just felt, thought, felt like he was uh, doing something bad. I still haven't finished that podcast. I was trying to listen to it to see why on earth he would do something like that because it's at much great great cost to him. He's actually a pretty decent guy. I don't know if it was a nefarious reason. Uh, from what I could tell, he seems to be a decent guy. Uh, makes some good software and is generally interested in just a good user experience. But I do think that if your ad, if your revenue is based off of clicks and how many people are going to see it, um, it is a media landscape that is broken anyway. I mean, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, several other, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, media sites are actually blocked. If you have ad block turned on, the whole site is is blank. So and that's kind of how they're trying to fight back against it to force you to to take it. But I just think that it's oh, because there's nowhere else to get news. I just think <laughs> it's interesting because yeah. you know I, I I personally always am just like <laughs> I'm somebody who has used ad blockers for a real long time, and every time I use someone's computers or watch someone operate on a computer that doesn't have any sort of ad blocking, it just it just I mean it I cringe. You know, you get a good old Windows operating system with Internet Explorer open and then you go to a popular website and it's just like, oh, my gosh, like there's like six things flashing. A banner comes across. There's a full length ad with a big like a little tiny X that you can barely click on to close the ad. I mean, it's just it's insane. And yeah, I think it is broken. I think it's hilarious that everybody's like clamoring like the Washington Post is now scared because they're not going to be able to run ads on there. I mean, it's just. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it works very well either. Absolutely not. Um, I think we've talked about this numerous times. I know they talk about it on No Agenda podcast. Uh, but they show you an ad for something you were interested in. Like you search for it, but then you buy it. <laughs> they continue to show you ads for that thing. Right. <laughs> Even though you've already bought it. So, or, yeah, you look, you're going on a trip, you look for hotels. At the, you go on the trip and you get back and two months later you're getting advertisements from whatever um, thing you searched for months ago. Exactly. It's, it's all long gone. If you want to be uh, I don't know if malicious I think malicious is a little strong but you just uh, whatever company you work for you just 
find your competitors' ads and just start clicking on them like there's no tomorrow. That's yeah, that 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 is exactly, <laughs> and it charges you money. Yeah. Anyway, I'll finish this up. Content providers that rely on advertising income claim that without money from pop-ups and banner ads, their sites would be forced to shut down. In an impassioned article in The Verge, editor-in-chief Nali Patal says, what happens to a small company when you take away 75 to 85% of its revenue opportunities in the name of the user experience? Who's going to make all the content we love so much? It's <laughs> a loaded yeah. question, my friend. I don't love your content. And what will it look like when it only makes money on proprietary platforms? Manufacturers and users of ad blocking software like Peace Developer Marco Arment <laughs> dispute this claim. In a blog post on his personal webpage, Arment claimed that the onus is on the publisher to provide advertising that is up to a certain standard and not reliant on third party ad networks adding that many publishers have already struck a great balance with non-abusive methods such as clearly labeled native in-stream ads, which don't require cross-site tracking or abusive practices and make good money. In the early days yet, and the end results, it's still the early days yet, and the end results of these ad blockers remains to be seen, but for now things look bleak for content creators that can't adopt to the shifting landscape. Those that survive may have to do so through less conventional means such as sponsored posts, native ads... Or in worst case scenarios, paywalls. As publishers continue to scramble to figure out their futures, they can thank Apple for ramping up the pressure. Um, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I use a lot of Apple products. Uh, I have some issues with some stuff they do. I like some of the other stuff they do. Um, I don't think that this was like, I, I love the title of this article, How Apple Could Put Your Favorite Website Out of Business. Like That was clearly what Apple did. They, were, they, were, they sat back and thought, if we add some ad blocking <laughs> software, we could crash the verge. Right. And then, anyway. Um, good angle, though, that you mentioned, though, because Google dominates the ad space. I mean, that's like how they make all their money, uh, that now Apple's allowing you to block ads. Well, doesn't Apple want to get into the content providing game, though? I, as far like as, as a news... Like, well, interesting that you mentioned that because on the iOS news or on the iOS nine update, you now have a downloaded version of uh, immediately like in Apple icons. Once they're on your phone, you cannot if they come with the OS, they cannot be deleted. Uh, there is a news um, uh, application, but I don't know how they benefit from it because I click on the news icon, which I just mm -hmm. did brings up for you these are things i've been interested in and it's just other publications like you know i got grantland here uh national geographic the atlantic uh different articles i can read so i'm not sure um apple News. yeah but if, if you're providing the gateway for it there's i'm sure there's monetization potential monetization, there okay okay sure yeah that makes sense it makes sense. And if if they do start, um, you know, providing content, then they they know you're going to look at it. Yeah, yeah. And there was recently a um, Wired magazine story about some new Apple product, mm -hmm. and it was only it was exclusive to Apple users. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't just go to wired.com. You get a message like, this story will come out on such and such a day. But if you were on an iPhone, you could see it right away. 
Oh, but I love the walled garden. It's so nice in here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough of all that. It's if anybody has some thoughts or takes on the ad ad blocking, I've enjoyed it. I have noticed that even though uh, I have installed it on my devices, uh, it's been better. the uh, The internet is way, that's another thing, man. The internet is so much faster on my phone. It's so fast now because there's not all those trackers are gone. Right. So that's a really, really good thing just for security purposes. I have noticed there are more ads than get through on my desktop. There are still some. So maybe those are like the clearly labeled within specs ads or whatever. Um, so I don't know how that works, but it's been a better experience already. I can tell you that. But let's let's move well, on. Good. I, I know we're not going to sit here and talk about mobile operating systems and ads for too long because you put up with me for quite a long time there. You must be one of those truthers on a mission to prove that Ahmed, the story about the guy in the clock. We want to want to give a backstory on the <laughs> clock boy here. All right, clock boy. Um, let's see. So story came out, and like same day, Obama invited him to the White House. Right? Okay, no, no, no. You got to do the full thing. Okay. Our listener in Australia doesn't even know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh. uh Oh, yeah, this story, I'm sure, is worldwide. <laughs> Still. Absolutely worldwide. Okay, so. There's a gal who has a baby who listens to our show who doesn't listen to any news but this news. Okay. So we got to tell her. All right. Okay. So Ahmed, or Clockboy, um, goes to school with a uh, m- movie set briefcase looking thing. <laughs> Right, right, right. Um, with a clock inside of it, looking kind of like a suitcase bomb. So, he, or like what? Um, if if you, he said that he was trying to invent a, a clock. He was trying to build one. <clears throat> so, uh, I think one teacher said, like, "Yeah, what are you doing messing around with that?" Put it away. It looks kind of like a bomb. And then another teacher like went full out and reported it. They came and got him. He was uncooperative, and they arrested him and took him down to the police station. And obviously, he's if he's a Muslim. His name is Ahmed Mohammed. And so all of a sudden, and it happened in Texas. So the story was. The liberal media, the liberal side of it was, uh, oh, look at those racist Texans, some poor Muslim kid, and they, they're too stupid. They think his awesome invented clock was a bomb, and it, this just happened because he's a Muslim, blah, 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 blah. Well, meantime, I mean, we, we've talked about the stories on the show. They suspend you from school for, like, making for kindergartners making their fingers to look like a gun yeah and saying bang bang guy ate a kid ate a pop tart in the pop tart pop the shape of a gun shape of a gun i mean and the okay and those those kids were muslims they were uh you know um, they were whitey um but so then the other side is Hey, this is 
this is bogus or even hey muslims really are trying to kill us all whatever okay right so and everybody knows that listens to our show we're not on the be afraid of muslims they're all terrorists glass parking lot that's not our show this kid uh a couple interesting things about his family well do you want me to do the story no don't do that story because i want to i i want you to go ahead and go in whatever direction you're gonna okay. go and then so anyway so the the, the media reaction this is clearly uh pr setup rollout uh you've got the president tweeting like ahmed cool clock want to show it to me at the white house and um, MIT offering the kids scholarships just so they can plug their university in fifty thousand dollar tuition or whatever it is uh, all over the news and other schools jumping on board and uh, Mark Zuckerberg anyway so also there, there's a few few problems yep uh, His he dad. didn't he didn't invent the clock right. It is, um, as someone we don't often cite in a positive nope. uh, manner, Richard Dawkins. No, says, don't, 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 don't. Okay, don't, don't go to the Richard Dawkins. Uh, so the things that are wrong with the clock. Also, his dad. His dad actually defended dad, the Quran in a mock trial against a Florida passenger who or pastor who eventually burnt the Muslim holy book. So that's the guy's dad. So well, and he also, this is not some, okay, yes, he's a Sudanese immigrant, but he ran for president in Sudan twice. Right. So, <laughs> even in Sudan, if you're running for president, you've got some political sway. I mean, I don't know what their economic status is, but you've got some level of connections. Yes. Um, if you're... <laughs> you know, I, it'd be like, oh, Carly Fiorina's kid suspended from school. I don't know. Um, okay, so, and the, the the a very activist family. So Muhammad, the father, um, fighting against Islamophobia, defending the Quran in a mock trial against a Florida pastor, um, and his older sister, who in interviews and things like literally tells him what to say yes and gives him his talking points was suspended from school for making a bomb threat yep numerous so, times so she's been suspended from school numerous times once for making a bomb threat yeah. so what i find to be absolutely hilarious is richard dawkins sees this and goes out and says these things you know, calls it out as you know what it probably is—some sort of a psyop, or at least, at, at the very least, a advertising ploy or chance to market oneself and and in just you know the PR get, stunt to PR stunt it. in order to get Mark Zuckerberg and Barack Obama to tweet at you, MIT to invite you to their school, Microsoft to send you free stuff. I mean, um, so that's 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 clock boy. But I find it absolutely hilarious that now. Richard Dawkins says, hey, what's going on here? This doesn't seem right. And the usual lefty, hey, you know, God isn't real. Of course, right. of course you can't. Yeah. Richard, Richard Dawkins is an atheist. Therefore, atheism 
is proven. That's right. Science. That's right. And the, he and he leads the whole. If you if you're a Christian or you believe in God, you're an idiot. You know how could you be so uh, uneducated and the very liberal condemning left? Everyone knows that life got here through, uh, you know, colliding asteroids and exactly. bits of and aliens putting gelatinous goo on the rock. <laughs> so it is absolutely hilarious to hear to watch him call it out, which I believe I, I agree with almost everything he says. But to see the response to him is yeah. the same response that I people... didn't know you were a Republican, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> same response <laughs> that people who uh, are atheists have to Christians, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just the so. Wake up, sheeple! That clock that fourteen-year-old Ahmed built was a fraud, and his father has hoodwinked us all. That's the conclusion of the bizarre series of tweets by noted atheist Richard Dawkins, who questions Ahmed's motives for bringing the clock to school, where he was arrested because his teacher thought it was a bomb. Barack Obama, Mark Zuckerberg, and tens of thousands of people online stood up for Ahmed following his treatment at school and at the police station. While Dawkins condemned the arrest, he's critical of the support of Ahmed, that Ahmed has received. Disassembling and reassembling is great, but you shouldn't claim that that's your inventions, Richard Dawkins goes on to say. He links to a blog post titled Reverse Engineering Ahmed Mohammed's Clock and Ourselves, as well as a YouTube video explaining why the clock is a hoax. The general gist of their argument is that Ahmed didn't invent a clock or even build one. He just took apart an existing clock and put bits of it and pieces into a pencil box. Others have gone even further, suggesting Ahmed's story is a scam by his father for political point scoring. Some point out that Ahmed's father, Mohammed uh, Ellison Mohammed, is a Sudanese immigrant who ran for president twice. Mohammed had previously made headlines while trying to fight against Islamophobia, defended the Quran in a mock trial. That said, there are some inconsistencies. Mohammed told CNN it was an alarm clock that he made. He wakes up with it most mornings. While Ahmed told Dallas News that the clock uh, he made the clock in 20 minutes the night before going taking it to school. <laughs> but does this amount to a hoax? Dawkins questions whether Ahmed deliberately wanted to be suspected of making a bomb and arrested just so he could be seen as a victim of Islamophobia. In response to Dawkins, ding, ding, ding. has largely been negative, with some criticizing him for failing to confront the effects of Islamophobia. Dawkins eventually backtracked, beginning to question the authorities' motives for arresting the schoolboy and retweeted Obama's White House invitation to Ahmed. Richard Dawkins, mate, people were not fooled. They were accurately saw as Ahmed as a victim of Islamophobia. His ability is not the issue. <laughs> so it's. Uh, he had a. Uh, that's all. That's uh, interesting. 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 Uh, but to watch R- Richard Dawkins, Dawkins kind of swinging in the wind while the liberals threw the rocks was yeah. Truly, uh, uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. <laughs> I've got. Um, Not only does Richard Dawkins, he's a truther. Yeah, I've got a. <laughs> he used the word sheeple. Yeah. <laughs> Sheeple. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't know why. Uh, eh, sort of, kind of related. I'll let you figure out the connection. Uh, the story comes from TechDirt.com. Uh, court says cell site location records from five minutes ago oh. are historical, not real time. 
And this is, <laughs> it says, from the rewriting history multiple times per hour department. <laughs> the word historical tends to conjure up images that must be buildings with... Ministry of Truth? Yes, with Sorry. plaques attached to them, denoting the original construction and possibly who did what when, but several dozen years ago. While anything that happened just before right now could literally be termed historical, most people tend to associate the word with things that happened well before the exact present. Not so much the courts, though. Historical data involves anything not collected in real time, apparently. The North Carolina Court of Appeals has ruled that something occurring at nearly any time before right now is historical, even if the history itself traces back less than 10 minutes. Superior Court Judge Lucien Inman signed the order and Detective Mitchell submitted it to AT&T, the cellular, the cellular uh, phone service provider and holder of the account associated with the phone number. AT&T provided the record of the location of the cell tower hits or pings whenever a call was made to or from the cell phone. AT&T sent emails of the longitude and latitude coordinates of these historical cell tower hits to Detective Mitchell every 15 minutes. Detective Mitchell testified an approximately, approximately five to seven minute delay occurred between the time of the phone pinged a cell tower and the time AT&T received and calculated the location and sent the latitude and longitude coordinates to him. Um, this location info helped track the defendant to a motel and he was arrested shortly thereafter. The defendant sought to suppress the warrantless search of his cell phone and its location obtained via phone records production order that ran from a month before it was requested to two days after the request was granted. The location data was that traced the defendant back to the motel room was acquired on December 11th. The defendant argued that the real-time tracking of his location violated his 4th and 14th Amendment rights, as well as the analogous parts of the North Carolina's Constitution. The court doesn't buy these arguments, citing the Stored Communications Act, which allows the government entities to obtain certain third-party records without a warrant. It says the difference between what's been considered unconstitutional unconstitutional by several courts, obtaining real-time location information with a tracking device, isn't what what's happening here. It argues that because the police didn't intercept these records, everything is above board, even if the sought historical data included two days of records that were created after the court order was approved. Several courts have held... Uh, the SCA permits a government, this is back to the court documents here, um, held the SCA permits a government entity to obtain cell tower site location information from a third-party service provider in situations where the cell tower site location information sought predates the court order and where the cell tower site location information is collected after the date the court order issues. Although the former may technically be considered historical, while the latter is prospective in relation to the date of the court order, both are considered records under the SCA. The government entity only receives this information after it has been collected and stored by the third-party service provider. In plainer English, this means law enforcement entities can seek historical records from the future, with the mitigating factor being that the records are collected by third parties first. A short delay of a few minutes is enough to call these records historical under this interpretation. <laughs> In a slightly dissenting concurrence, Judge C.J. McGee disagrees with the court's definition of historical records while finding the overall opinion valid because of of the good faith exception. Uh, Because most general courts recognize that historical cell site information consists of information 
generated prior to the issuance date of a judicial order that allowed law enforcement to obtain such record for a given defendant. And because I believe allowing the majority's characterization of the information provided by AT&T to law enforcement based on the facts in this case would effectively obliterate the distinction between historical and real-time cell-side information, I must respectfully disagree with the majority's characterization. Okay. So, this uh, reminds me of the um, definition of suspected militant. Ah, yes. Uh, being any male 14 years or older. Yeah, it's like 16 to 30 or 45. or It was, it was bad. It was like 16 to 55 in Pakistan. Yeah. yeah. So, no, there was no top age. It was just like anyone teenager above male. That was, yes. that's militant. So you don't have to count those as so past as anything from five minutes ago. Yeah. Historic. So, well, and, uh, the past is also the future <laughs> because they got the court order and then use that court order to keep collecting the information for two days after that point. So they got court order for historical records to be used for the future. <laughs> so, so just remember that when, when this like gets to, uh, somewhat known in the media and then it's like oh don't worry about it come on we're just collecting historical data that's right historical it's so just, it's historic it's got nothing to do with your day-to-day life and so cell correct me if i'm wrong but cell site data that's literally going to be where you are right right yes from cell phone to cell so from one cell tower to the next do you know how much how often you're going to be within that cell zone if it's only five minutes after, I mean, it's it, the, the exception would be if you were not there. Right. You know what I mean? Five minutes later, if you're they, here in this cell zone, in this position right now, or no, if you, if you were there five minutes ago, the, it, like you are going to be there. It's gotta be nine, 80, 90% of the time. Yeah. Five they, minutes later. They obviously used it to follow this person around. Right. But you were always going to be, in within the same cell tower five minutes later. I mean, almost always. It's going to yeah. be the li- it's going to be the exception to the rule when you've moved on out of that area to another. Cell. Well, then they'll just get the next cell tower exactly, and then just pick yeah. the next one. That's uh, that's interesting. That's a a fun way. And to- as as you pointed out on the the show, this is dumb phones too. Yes, this is not just smartphones. That's right. It doesn't matter any cell phone. They can tell where you're, where you're at because they get the cell tower tower data, and as long as they're they can get that, they know where you are. Yeah. So you got stuck on tech dirt. You found another another article in there. Oh, uh, I'll just summarize this one. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, please. CIA, FBI, and much of the U.S. military aren't doing the most basic things to encrypt email. It's um, really? It's no secret that FBI Director James Comey is somewhat clueless about encryption to the point that he doesn't even realize that stronger encryption will actually better protect Americans. But it seems to go beyond that. Apparently he's so clueless about encryption that he doesn't realize that it will help protect FBI agents. <laughs> um, they don't 
they don't secure their own email. No. Okay. Not even to the point that Google secures its email. At this point, seriously, at this point, I would trust Google and Apple to keep a secret better than I would trust one of the intelligence. I mean, maybe the NSA probably knows. But like CIA, FBI, government, you know, Secretary of State's home computer, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. So the level of encryption that they don't have, um, according to Google, which tracks it because it'll tell it can tell if it's the receiving email service is using the same encryption or not. Google claims 256 bit encryption on every email and uh, internet search that you run. I mean, they well, are. Well, it's in route. Yes. <laughs> they decode it on either end. Yes. They have the key, but they, they claim full 256 bit encry- encryption all the time. Oh. So they say 80% of outbound mail and 61% of inbound mail using it. And uh, some of the 20% not using it, CIA, FBI, <laughs> um, NSA does. I'm sure they do. Yeah. So that's, I just thought that was interesting. Because they, James Comey's always up there like, oh yeah, encryption's good. Just like give us the keys to it. It's cool. No, they're not. Well, the only the, time they well, ever talk about encryption is when they're saying it's bad and, and more Americans are going to die because Apple and Google want to encrypt. <laughs> We just need the we just need the keys to it, you know. Just responsible government agencies that know what they're doing, <laughs> and yeah, it's. I'm like, uh, I wonder what percentage of Americans I'm in. Really, I got an encrypted hard drive right here. I don't have an encryption key for my email. I guess I could get one, but I have an encrypted hard drive on the computer that I use. I mean, is that just like the you know like a my a unicorn? I mean. When it comes to the masses, that, that actually might be the case. Yeah. Which is weird. That's well, just, and uh, weird. cloud storage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter what you've got on your hard drive at that point. but Yeah, valid point. Valid point. So you summarize, that's that. Uh, Marco, what's this uh, Pope political? I don't know about the political split. What's going on there? I don't remember where where I was going with that. I'm not worried about it. There, what's up with the Pope coverage, dude? I don't under, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the big deal. He was in the front of the National Geographic last week. I I was uh, <laughs> I was at the um, the local workout facility, mm-hmm. and I was listening to podcasts, so I wasn't listening to what was on the TV, but it was a CBS news broadcast. Mm -hmm. It was the Pope nonstop. Yeah. So the the, Pope, Pope, Pope at the, it's only a half hour show. And it was like all the Pope at the dealership. When the Pope, like when he arrived in Philadelphia or whatever, I mean, it was like, here he is getting out of a plane. It was live. Let's go live to the Pope. I mean, it was just, (laughs) I, I it has I mean is it the first time a pope is Which been I in understand the, US? the live coverage cuz the CNN and Fox are like crossing their fingers and hoping that something happens to him and they're going to capture it live on TV. Yeah, like he trips or But uh yeah, just the 
I don't get it. Are, are we? Is America like ninety nine percent Catholic all of a sudden? I didn't. I, I don't get it. I don't either. I did tweet out, like I said, that you know we had nothing but wall to wall traffic jams in Seattle because they shut down. Uh, one of the major interstates through here, as well as a big portion of downtown, because the Chinese. Pre- By the way, let me let me let me see if you could figure this one out, because I, I felt like this was kind of funny. So the Chinese president came to Seattle to visit, right? And he met with uh, Obama. So Barack flies in, meets with the Chinese president here in Seattle area, and then they went to an undisclosed location for dinner. Where'd they go? I don't know. J- just, just just wait, wait. Okay. Sorry, start over. Where are they at? Seattle. Uh, an undisclosed location for dinner? Yes. I don't know, hanging out with Bill Gates? Yes. Bill Gates' house? I mean, that's my first guess, too, right? Like, there's everybody in the whole, everybody's like, undisclosed location for dinner, Chinese president. Oh, I went to Bill's house. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we could be wrong. I mean, obviously, that's just, it just, we just, it, it seemed, seemed to be pretty apparent where they were going but anyway uh and it was weird to see you know so everybody's on lockdown local news is nothing but chinese president chinese president he's here he's there barack's here he's there and then it switches you know from local news to national news and boom it's the pope pope's in philly the pope's over here pope's over there yeah that's when i thought you know this blood moon thing might really have some teeth i don't i just don't get it uh I don't know, man. I mean, I honestly don't. I don't. I mean, I know he's like pro global warming stuff, so it's I mean, kind of helpful. But at the risk of offending others, I guess we never really worry too much about that. Um, they they're really making a big deal about this guy. <laughs> I mean, they just everybody just loves. Yeah, him I guess I like doesn't isn't it great that he. He wears white and doesn't wear the gold, and he doesn't actually live in the palace. He lives in some regular house, and he rides a bike or drives a Fiat. I mean, they just—he does photo ops. Yeah, it's just it is on <laughs> and on and on. Um, yeah, and I, I'm not even—I'm not a like a. I'm not a pope hater. I'm not a. I'm not a Catholic right, hater. Right. Well, I'm, I'm not, not a Catholic hater. I'm not a Catholic hater. I'm a hierarchical power structure hater. Hater, I'm, I'm which like, the Pope is kind of the epitome, epitome of. of the the Vatican. Agreed. Hierarchical power structure. Agreed. I'm with you 100. percent But it's still it's just like, oh man. I really, Although I, I did learn something, uh, Doctor Future uh, plugged Stephen Colbert. In uh-huh. his blog, right, and uh, so I attempted to watch a couple episodes. His show of, is so bad. Is it any better? I watched. I uh, I tried to watch the first one, and then I watched some recent ones with when he interviewed Donald Trump, and then he did like a whole Pope show, which is just him chatting with some you other. You know Catholic why, people. right? Yeah, he's Catholic. He's very Catholic. He actually, no, he, he, he talked about. I actually learned something. He now. teaches Sunday school. He, he taught Sunday school for for uh, he, Catholicism. He says uh, the Pope is only infallible when he's sitting in that special chair. The rest of the time, you can argue with them. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I did not know that. <laughs> so his example was. Uh, <laughs> um, if the Pope is not in St. Peter's Basilica or wherever the special place is, mm-hmm. 
and he tells you that the Godfather Three is a fitting end of the trilogy. <laughs> Feel free <laughs> to, to call him out. Because <laughs> it was certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Sophia, what were you doing? Um, anyway. <laughs> If you want to, uh, for for bonus footage, if you ever want to uh, have a good laugh, look up um, <sighs> Jack White and Stephen Colbert tried to out Catholic each other. Okay, it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. All right, but uh, they're both they're both pretty Catholic. Yeah, six <laughs> kids Catholic. <laughs> Let's end on check out this mysterious cloud. We will throw, uh, we'll leave actually these other two stories in here. We'll throw Mark Rubio casts deciding vote for Obama on the cutting room floor. These other two stories will keep just fine. We'll leave them in here. What's a mysterious cloud? Did you see this one? Did you put it in? Did I put it in? You put it in. I did. A near-destined multi- Oh, hey, it was your birthday, man. Oh, yeah. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Thanks, buddy. I think, uh... Yeah, Skype tells me it's your birthday. It's got candles going around. <laughs> well, there you go. It was my birthday a little bit ago. So uh, check out this mysterious cloud. An iridescent multi-hued cloud phenomenon was recently spotted in the Costa Rica skies. And residents were left awestruck and mystified. This spect- I, I can't remember. I think James might have tweeted this out. The spectacle in the sky was reported this past Tuesday afternoon in numerous cities, including San Jose, Perita, Pavas, Esco, Hadalia, and coincidentally, the sighting occurred on the country's Independence Day. Many witnesses took to social media to post photos and videos of the luminous cloud formations, with even some noting that it looked like an end-time scene. Mm. Resident Joey Pettit told ABC News that he and his family were at the playground in Escozo in an Independence Day festival when his 11-year-old son, Joseph Pettit, first noticed the strange cloud. He immediately grabbed the camera and started taking video and photos, he said. We were just so amazed. We had no idea what it was. We'd never seen anything like it. Another Exo resident, Jesse Montelorg, she said she was also amazed by the sky phenomenon. It was breathtaking, like a sign of God. Though users on social media found various theories on what caused the light formation, including aliens, UFOs, experts said the stunning view was caused by Richard Dawkins, a rare wait, uh, was caused <laughs> by a rare phenomenon called cloud iridescence. The colorful luminescence is caused by the sun's light being refracted by water droplets and ice crystals in the cloud. A meteorologist from Costa Rica's National Meteorological Institute, according to Costa Rican media news outlet. The phenomenon produced a similar sky spectacle in South Carolina last month and was dubbed a fire rainbow. Do you know what it is, Andrew? No. It's a chemtrail. Oh, okay. Let me look at the picture. Did you get the picture I sent to you? Uh, just now? I sent it via Skype and email. Via Skype and email. So I got... You are Andrew Hoffman. And, oh, I got a message over here. Some sort of a notification. And... You gotta go, go to the link. <laughs> <laughs> This is a radio show. I can't just show the, the, the picture. Yeah. It's David Cameron holding a, a uh, pig. <laughs> he, he looks very affectionate, too. 
you know, it's like from a photo op where he's trying to show how country he is and how he, you know, <laughs> he he's down with the common pig farmer, <laughs> but but given recent events, he's his PR people are probably going to regret putting that one out there. <laughs> should I put a link to this in the show notes or should, yeah. I, should I put the yeah. picture itself on the website? <laughs> I think that'd be a good uh, cover art for the episode. <laughs> Save images as David Cameron comes out. That's what it, that's what the, the image title is for whoever put this on the web. David Cameron comes out. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, check out that picture from Costa Rica. It may be the iridescent cloud formation that they're saying it is. It also looks a heck of a lot like a chemtrail that glows. Mm. Um, yeah. We've seen a lot of them here in the U.S. of A. As well as the fire. This one from uh, Costa Rica. It's not doesn't have a chemtrail like look, but the uh, phenomenon in uh, South Carolina was super chemtraily. As in a big long streak that had a rainbow yeah. color to it. So uh, there you go. We're here. We're here. I'm. It's. Hold on a second. Look outside. See, is there a blood moon? Is there a? Is there a super moon? I don't think so. And I missed this. I missed the eclipse. There's a blood moon. There's a super moon. There's an eclipse. What what else do we got? Anything else? I mean, so are we my gonna, uh, are we gonna make it? A friend of mine, I went to school with him. He's a really really great photographer. Okay. So, you know, he like most photographers was all jazzed up for the super moon and the solar eclipse, and it was kind of a dud. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he like puts out a awesome looking picture, and he's like, all right. Just fair warning, this is not a real image. This is this isn't the supermoon. This is like what I was hoping the supermoon would look like. <laughs> so like uh you know, all red and mm-hmm. awesome looking, mm-hmm. but anyway. So Any words of wisdom for us today, Andrew? Oh uh, Well I don't know, I'm just trying to uh no, I don't have any any words of wisdom. I'm trying to think of things my uh, my daughter has said lately. Okay. She's, okay. Because, um, I mean, she's the only kid I've got, so that there's not really anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, but a- apparently from people that are around a lot of kids, mm-hmm. her vocabulary is not so much two-year-old-ish. So, <laughs> I'm sure all all of our listeners will be shocked to hear that you have a yeah an exceptionally so, bright kid that can speak well. Uh, so she's got so propaganda is part of her vocabulary just for <laughs> at two, <laughs> just for not. I I won't give her credit that she fully understands the concept, but she does know the word. <laughs> probably just you, anytime you turn the TV on, she could just stand there and yell it. Propaganda. Propaganda. No, she says, Daddy wants to watch football. Go Seahawks. Go Ducks. <laughs> she likes giving 
she likes giving high fives after touchdowns. So she she doesn't actually watch the the football game, thankfully. Right. But she, when we say "Yay, touchdown!" she runs over and gives high fives. So. Hey, that's she's 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 off to a good start. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, uh, Chinese president found his way back home. I think the Pope found his way back home. The blood moons have gone down. We are all still here. Just waiting for October. Just waiting for October for what happens in October. Well, it's like September, but even crazier. Jade Helm part three. (laughs) Um, As far as I know, if you are a Christian, truly believe in Jesus and are currently following him, knowing the date of the end of the world, not super important. Maybe loving people is, maybe talking to people is, maybe not trying to scare everybody is uh, important. Not, not supporting the uh, blowing up of certain Middle Eastern countries. Not Also, also not important. <laughs> um, what Donald Trump's going to say next and try to save the country from the brink of liberalism. Also not important. Yeah. By the way, I, hey, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, no, I, I got to stick with my theory. You've turned to, you've turned to be a Trump supporter. No, 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 no. But Jeb Bush is down to like 7%. So there's like a glimmer of hope inside of me that he won't win the nomination. Okay. Yeah. Well, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, but Trump beating down the Republican party and then stepping out or blowing himself up and Hillary stepping in still looks amazing. Oh yeah. I actually shared that today in mixed company. And I say mixed company as a people I don't usually talk about this sort of stuff with. I said, Hey, I'm only going to say this once you guys can talk about it forever for the next year and a half, but here's what I think. And there's a lot <laughs> of people who are just like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so I took it out. I, I took it with me. I took it on the road in, uh, your uh, Trump, the Donald is a false flag theory is uh, look looking pretty good, even to uh, people who are not well versed in our political point of view. If you're out there and you're listening to this, don't be afraid. Don't try to scare anyone else. Just help each other. Let's try to be nice to each other. Try to talk about things that are important. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, and uh, don't buy any Pope memorabilia. <laughs> oh, dude, I got to return this bobblehead Pope I just got. <laughs> it's almost like the first the Pope before this was like purposely like so bad so that they could put this Pope up against him. Like, oh, look how much better the Pope can be. I, uh, yeah, I just I am mystified. Me too. Me too. I well, don't get it. Coming to you live from the center of a Catholic nation, my name is Tim Kilkenny. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. We're, we're all Catholics now. We're, we're all Catholics today. It's like 9-11. We're all, all Catholics New- and Muslims we're all, all at the same time. We're all we New stand York. with Ahmed and the Pope. <laughs> all right, and from the... Still delightfully warm and sunny, Hood River, Oregon. I'm Andrew Hoffman. All right, we'll talk to you guys again next week. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. 
To contact Andrew and Tim or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say There's always more football, Tim. That's the great thing about America. There's always more football.